What's up? This is Nikaila. And I'm Christina. Welcome to Awake and Unfiltered. At the heart of our podcast is a commitment to living life from our highest selves. We believe in the power of authenticity, the magic of vulnerability, and the beauty of embracing every aspect of the human experience. Our journey began with a simple desire to create a space where individuals could explore spirituality without filters, without pretense, just pure, unadulterated truth. And we are so glad you could be here. Hi, sweet one. This is a trigger warning for today's episode. This episode might contain content that could be distressing to some listeners. If you are sensitive to any of the topics, including unaliving, addiction, abuse, or any other trauma-informed topics, please take care while listening. Always reach out to mental health professionals and trusted individuals if needed. Your well-being is so important to us. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Awaken and Filtered. Uh, today we get the pleasure of hearing Nikaila share her healing journeys with us. How are you doing today, Nikaila? Yay! Take two, <laughs> take two of it. <laughs> no, it's I'm all excited. Good. I feel it's- I feel much better this time around. I feel like I last time we tried to record this episode of my story. I feel like number one, I wasn't like fully. I I kind of didn't think it was like a big deal. Not that I do think it's a big deal, but like, I want to honor it more than I did, I guess, you know, like, especially after listening to yours and recording yours and just feeling like the reverence that was present in our session. I just felt like sometimes I do that with myself. I'm like, oh, it's not a big deal. I can, especially I think a lot of trauma people do that when they've experienced trauma, they can tell their story so easily. And everybody else is like, what that happened and they're just like yeah and I and I don't want to live that way anymore with my story like I want to see it for what it was but also like see it for what it was you know what I mean yeah rather than just being kind of like hey I'm so dismissive about this yeah it's just like any other day I ate an apple and everything feels great exactly exactly Well, I appreciate you wanting to take the time to honor um, the story for everything that it's worth. So are you ready to get started? Yes, let's do it. (laughs) Okay. So the first question I'm being called to ask you is around what was the first superpower that you recognized that you had and how old were you? So, um, I think I'll call it like clairsentience, like the Mm -hmm. ability to feel other, what other people are feeling. Um, And I was four years old. The first time I realized that this was an ability that I had. Um, And honestly, it was the turning point. I feel like for the whole trajectory of, of my adult life and even the way that I always let people in. So I was four years old. Um, Somebody, I think it was a nanny took me and my sister to a, like Halloween carnival at, at the school. My sister was like older off running around somewhere. And I don't, I wasn't even in school yet. So I was like excited to be around all of the people. And all of a sudden I felt like this intense fire, like burning within me, like just my whole body was burning. I remember I dropped down to my knees and, um, there was a woman there that witnessed this experience and she came over to my caregiver at the time and explained what was going on. She actually pointed out um, over in the corner that there was like 
a recent burn victim, like healed burns all over his body. And she said, I, I clearly saw your child. She was thinking like the nanny was like my mom or whatever. I clearly saw her connect to his energy and I saw her drop. And I, I, I was saying like I was hot, I was burning. And she explained at the time, I can't remember all the words, but I remember my little four-year-old brain hearing like she was feeling what he was feeling. And I walked away from that moment, like vowing to never feel anyone's energy again. <laughs> wow. So you actually felt him going through his, his pain as this incident was happening. Yeah. Like the physicality of being burned and it was so much. Wow. What, how did, how did your nanny respond to this? She wasn't the greatest nanny. So she just like kind of shrugged it off, like kind of, um, <laughs> you would have to see her to understand, but really just kind of like picked, picked me up off of my feet and kind of pulled me to the next thing. Never mentioned it to my parents, never, never said anything about it. And I, I remember that night and, and many nights forward, I had so many nightmares about just fire and burning and feeling all of those feelings. So from that, just one incident, you really had to deal with it alone. Yeah. You didn't really have anyone to turn to during this time. How did that feel? I mean, that's been the, honestly the basis of my existence. It, I do feel that shaped it, but I also feel like that's already who I was having experienced physical and sexual abuse in my household and not being able to talk about it to people without them calling me, telling me it was my fault, even as a little child. Um, that's what I was already used to. And so I, I really had the perception of this is mine to deal with. Like the phrase in my family was like, put your big girl panties on, buck up. Um, and that's kind of like how I moved forward from it. Other than like those thoughts of like, I, I must be crazy. I'm a crazy person. <laughs> wow. Did the abuse happen prior to um, you realizing your first um, superpower? Yeah, it did. And um, it was it was that and the mixture of like already shutting myself away, like feeling like people were only, I was only here to serve people be of use to people in some way. And so I think having that experience was just like too much, too much for my little body to handle. Yeah. It's like a lot of pain to go through. So you were already accustomed to then by that point in time, keeping things to yourself and figuring out how to do things for you. Right. How old were you when you realized your next superpower? I think I always knew there was something different about me, even from like that, from that moment, like a lot of things started to click. Like I could always read, and I know some of it was trauma too, but I could always read a room. I could always go into a room and decide who was safe, who wasn't safe. And so there was like that deep inner knowing, but also looking back on it now, I didn't have the realization until later in my life, but I knew like my imaginary friends were actually my guides. And because it wasn't like this thing where we would play together, it was where they would tell me, they would tell me, stay away from this person, say this thing, don't do this thing. And it was a very much like a, 
like a guardian angel guiding me through. And so there was that. And, and I think that as I got older, you know, being in education and, and having a lot of the experiences I had, the way that I responded to things happening in the world, I can see now that I had the like innate ability to alchemize emotions and to create something really beautiful out of really hard worldwide experiences. Um, while you were growing up and you were realizing all of this, how did you deal with it? And did you share this with anyone at any point in time? Never. Nope. I, I lived like this double life. So like even going through school, I was getting 4.0s. I graduated valedictorian. Like when Hurricane Katrina hit, I was 15 years old and I made this huge fundraiser. We filled up six semi-trucks and drove them down to New Orleans. And, and I was like this, you know, they wrote newspaper articles about me and, and all this stuff, right? I was on the varsity soccer team and editor of the school newspaper. And then I would go to my locker every day that was, and have this water bottle filled with vodka. And I would go behind the school and, and have sex with random boys and doing drugs at a really early age and anything. And also like tons of assault charges. I got in a fight with everyone. Like I, up until I was like 18, it was just like drugs, alcohol, violent sex in the background. And so it's, it's always been this thing of like, this is who I'm showing to the world. And this is how I'm dealing with everything that I'm feeling because I could feel it all. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Was that more of just like the only way you knew how to provide an outlet for yourself at the time? Yeah. And really, I just had no one to turn to. Like I was, I see now that I was craving like the boys thing, right. Was, was just like craving connection just like for one person to hug me and to feel like that hug was safe, you know, because I was choosing it. Um, and the drugs and alcohol helped me so much to not feel everything that I was feeling um, and and to really just shut out the world. Wow. What was the turning point for you where you decided this can't continue anymore and I need to do something about it or I want to do something about it? Um, when I was 19, I got pregnant with my daughter. So that was a huge shift in mindset as far as like drugs, alcohol, scary situations. And then when I was 21, now having two kids, um, I was diagnosed with cancer. And so there was this dichotomy between like, I'm in this, I was in this terribly abusive relationship with my kid's biological father. And so I'm, I'm in this really violent situation. I didn't really care about what was happening to me, but the moment that, that he turned on my kids is the moment that I, I walked away from violence. So I walked away from the drugs and alcohol. As soon as I got pregnant, I walked away from like the violence and scary situation the moment that I saw it was affecting my kids and I radically changed the way that I was viewing life. The moment I got that death sentence at 21. Wow. What, how did you turn to sp your spiritual journey um, through all this? What, what was the first thing that you started doing to look within yourself and how did you get there? Um, 
there was a night um, during my cancer journey where I was ready to be done, where I, I thought my kids would be taken care of. I couldn't go through the pain anymore. And, and I had made the decision to no longer be here. And it was in, in that moment of taking this action to unalive myself that I heard this voice and it, it it's the voice, the same voice that I had growing up, you know, of like those, those really beautiful guides. And it just said, you're not finished here yet. Like you have more to do here. And it was from that moment that I started to ask, like, what, what is this voice? Why am I meant to be here? Why have I had so many moments of of almost dying, of being so deeply hurt. And I can't, I'm not allowed to let go. And I, I first got really angry. I got angry with what I thought God was. I got really angry with the world. Um, and of course I'm still maintaining this really beautiful image to everyone else, but inside I was just so angry. And it's honestly from that anger and needing to have an answer to why this was happening that I really started to explore spirituality and God. And, and it came from just having a lot of conversations with God in that moment. Wow. So beautiful. How long ago did you start this journey? It depends on what you say, like what you mean by this journey, I guess the conversations with God, like how old am I? Jesus. (laughs) That's let's see. So like 17 years ago, But like the, where I'm actively doing the self-healing, where I'm actively like talking about it 12 years ago. And when I really made the shift into like self-mastery and like actually making the changes and not just exploring them eight to 10 years ago. Can you tell us a little bit more about that the journey of actually healing? Um, was it easy? <laughs> you know, what did you go through? It makes me want to throw up just thinking about it. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, if you can imagine like living your whole life, number one, hiding from the world, but then number two, numbing out in all of these ways, right? When you decide to heal, what you're doing is you're taking radical responsibility for things. So I could no longer blame my abusers or my parents or the drugs. It was like this realization of this is all me. These are all choices I'm making. And I've always had this thing for being able to recognize patterns and know that I'd have a story to tell, right? And so I'm looking at all these patterns and who's the common denominator? I am. (laughs) I'm in the center of it all. And so like being able to tell myself the truth and really do that deep inner work and really look at myself in, in that way, it was the hard, it was harder than the abuse, to be honest, because I actually felt it and it was coming through my body, like on a physical level. And so it took a lot of grounding and it took a lot of like constantly tapping into my why my why I feel like is was easier for me in a way because I had these two beautiful kids who I never ever ever wanted to see repeat my same cycles and patterns and so every moment that I wanted to give up all I had to do was look at their faces and remember like they will never have to suffer in the way that I did and that's really what kept me going so it was it was terrible (laughs) everybody talks about like healing like this it's this like wonder it was 
fucking terrible. <laughs> it's not an easy thing. So I commend you so much for sticking with it. What can you tell us a little bit more about maybe one of the times where you felt like giving up? Did you end up, you know, going back to your old habits? You know, what was that like? Well, in a way, so I, I, once I, once I like started this healing journey, I started to use a lot of plant medicine. I had some really journeys with really beautiful journeys with ayahuasca and mushrooms and cannabis. And cannabis is one of the things that really helped me with my PTSD. And so in a way I was repeating a cycle of numbing out, but I feel like it was more of an intentional thing of like, I needed to regulate my nervous system. Um, I would say the ways that I sabotage my mo- myself most on my healing journey was like the relationship aspect. I kept choosing the wrong person, the person that would create that violence again, the person that would dysregulate, the person that would um, cause me to feel like I was crazy, like it was my fault. I kept choosing them because I didn't realize at the time, but I didn't know what healthy, unconditional love looked like. I had no idea what I knew love looked like up until that point was pain and violence and like disconnection. And so I kept choosing that over and over and it would push me deeper into these parts of myself. So now I'm sitting back, I'm looking at all the patterns and I'm asking instead, I'm asking God, like, why, why do these people keep showing up? And I had to keep deepening into that self accountability of like, what patterns and behaviors are you still bringing forward that are creating these cycles that are calling this type of person towards you? And so it was getting really clear on that, that caused me to like, want to know what unconditional love felt like and receiving unconditional love from what I, from what I perceived God as being back then was also deeply painful because I had to let go of my, my anger towards that idea of God, I had to like, let go of all my preconceived notions. And I, and I had to like, let in this really beautiful, all consuming love. And I think it's one thing to be so I was like, a self-proclaimed masochist, I was not afraid of pain, never have been. But receiving pleasure, receiving love and receiving goodness was one of the quote, unquote, most painful sensations I've ever felt because everything in my nervous system was saying, you're bad. You're not worthy of this. And then I have like my higher self saying, receive this. Let me hold you like you deserve grace. And so it was this huge battle for a long time. I think of, of being able to choose love and, and pleasure and stop choosing these relationships and situations that created more pain for me. Wow. What does unconditional love look like and mean to you today? like my favorite thing in the whole world. (laughs) It's the way I live my life. It's the way that I approach every other human. Um, Makes me emotional thinking about it. Being able to sink into that here and now is what creates the distance between who I am, who I am at my core and this, this woman that I used to be. This woman that I have so much compassion and love for, but is no longer a part of my my story because sinking into this love here. Now I can look at her 
with total acceptance, with no judgment. I can see the pain she was in when she made all these decisions where it used to be shame and guilt. It's now replaced with grace and love and compassion. And when I can, when I started to see her that way, that version of myself, I started to see every other person that way. And it's something I wish every single human could experience because it's, it's not like it's all roses and, and butterflies. It's like this really deep strength within, like a really deep inner peace. And it's like, you can look at people through this lens and still have this kind of like firm sense of accountability and self-responsibility as you move forward. That's the best way I know how to describe it. Oh, that's really beautiful. I like that a lot. How would you say that this learning of unconditional love and the acceptance of it has evolved your ability to be a mother? <laughs> I mean, I I get to see my kids through this lens of like, they aren't anything that I possess. They're not mine to have or control. They're these really beautiful beings that chose to do life here with me. And the more that I, I love, honor, and respect their journey, the more not only they break patterns, but the more they get to involve and amplify into their true essence and self. And I'm really grateful for the education I had around teaching and education and child development because it's always allowed me logically to parent them in a conscious way. But to embody the frequency of love as you're parenting is a whole nother ballgame because there's there's no judgment. And I think with parenting, a lot of times comes projections of our own wounds. But because I have spent so much time meticulously looking at my own patterns, I never project my own shit onto my kids. And I think that's the greatest gift I could ever give them. And the coolest part is they're very aware of that. I mean, just yesterday, my my daughter found out that one of her friends was, was pregnant and we were just talking about the choices that led up to that. And, um, I said, how do you think I would respond if you told me? And she's like, well, duh, you would allow me to face the consequences of my own actions and evolve into my highest sense of self. And I was just like, my heart just like, you know, there's that jealousy aspect we talked about of where my own inner child was like, God damn, I wish I had that from my mom. But then also just like, she really, she really sees what I'm doing here. She, and she doesn't just see it. She's so great. Like she's, she, my kids both always comment on without judgment. They're not judging these other parents, but always comment on like, it's so interesting that that I'm not getting grounded for this or such and such as mom yelled at them for for 20 minutes about this and I love the way that we can just talk about things and so like to hear them conceptualize my parenting style is is just so cool because they also just they don't take for granted the work that goes into conscious parenting if that makes sense yeah absolutely Around like what age were they when you started to do this more conscious parenting aspect instead of just kind of reliving your own patterns through them? So not to say that I, I didn't still make terrible choices that affected them, but 
I was able to approach them as a conscious parent from the time my daughter was five or six and my son was three. Um, the way that I parented, talked to them, spoke to them. That being said, I still was engaging in behaviors for myself and relationships that put them in situations and and had them be witness to experiences that they never should have had to as a child. So even though we could talk about it, even though they could see this really shitty thing and we could go sit down and have a conversation about why I chose it and what was happening and that I, and, and apologizing to them for putting them in that situation and processing their feelings, they still had to experience my shit. So they really broke free from any type of like contrast in that way, maybe five years ago. So when they were 11 and nine. Wow. It's so beautiful to hear how your relationship has blossomed since then in so all honesty. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. It makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. To know that they're consciously choosing something different, right. And not repeating the pattern of us or prior to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How, how has moving locations helped their um, growth as well? Because I know that previously you were in a different state. Yeah, the the hardest part, I think, for them was like, we, we moved so much, you know, especially like as as an only parent, just being able to be financially sound in, in these times. And like, I always wanted them and I pushed myself, I think, too hard because I always wanted them to have the best of everything. And so we were going from like house to house and state to state for so long. And a lot of it was like, you know, we kind of fled from their, their biological dad. Then we kind of like left the last state we were in to find a deeper sense of safety, community and family. And so it was this idea of really taking roots and moving. We all sat down together. It wasn't like a decision I made. We all sat down together and talked about what we wanted, what we wanted to create, to, to feel safe and to create the safety. And we all decided we wanted to be able to travel, right. To travel and explore. And we also, also, we also all wanted to have this place that we could always call home. And so moving to Utah really gave me this sense of like safety and that I knew people here. And even though they maybe weren't the most in alignment because they, they were my family and my family still has a lot of healing to do. It gave me this sense of like, I can raise them here. And if I'm ever not here, they have people. And so being able to be really grounded and settled in one place has number one, what I've witnessed allowed them to be more of their authentic selves, but also process some of the stuff they they didn't process previously because there wasn't a deep sense of safety. I was their anchor into everything instead of them being able to put their own anchor down. So as I've watched them really root here, they, they've put their own anchor down and that's caused a lot of their old stuff to like come up and be processed, which has been really, really cool and healing, um, to watch them actually like face themselves. And, um, I think for me, it's, it's forced me to settle down because like owning a home and anchoring into one location, it kind of brings like this sense of permanency 
And I've never really allowed myself to have that before. And so it's been like this really deepening of, of who I am and what I desire. And also like my rebellious nature of like, I want to run away has to like choose to stay. (laughs) And there's been a lot of change for you personally, since you've moved to Utah, hasn't there? Like in terms of your personal life, obviously, and then your career and whatnot. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, oh man, I've broken away from a lot of, so my my relationships with men turned into relationships with women and the sisterhood wound and settling down really allowed me to face all of the relationships that weren't in alignment. So I, I got to make some really hard decisions when I moved here. I also looking at my business traveled so much. A lot of my clients were in LA and a lot of my clients really were kind of high maintenance in the terms they were paying me so much. And they had this status that kind of brought with them entitlement that I felt like this pull, like away from myself. And so when I, when I kind of broke away from my last like business partnership and really sat with my own business really sat with what I was trying to create and cultivate with my kids and what I desired. I actually like, for lack of better word, like burned everything down. I cut off all of my like hip hop artist clients, except for four. I cleared all of my contracts. I let go of every like VIP status client I had. And I really started over in a sense of these are the types of people that I'm calling in. These are the kind of people that I want to work with. This is the frequency that I want to operate at. This is the, if I'm going to be doing this work, I want it to be deeply healing. And I want every conversation and every client session to be in alignment. And I also decided I just wanted to write a lot. And it was really scary because for so long, my identity had been like these high status clients, this massive amount of wealth, this ability to like provide as, as an only parent, like it's, it was such a validating source for me. Um, even like the, I always had my nails done. I had like the long bleach blonde hair. I always had eyelash extensions. There was this really deep external, like, it was like, I needed the world to see who I was on the inside for once, you know, like it turned away from like hiding in the background with drugs and alcohol to like, this is how I feel on the inside. And I need you to see this is who I am. I need you to see I'm successful. I need you to see I'm experienced. I need you to see that I have all these luxuries in my life. And I dropped all of it. I dropped the makeup and the hair and the high status clients. And there was a moment where I felt like I was dead because I was like, there was no external anything. And then came like this really amazing, powerful freedom. And from that, my channel really opened up and I was able to speak more clearly and deeply and connect more intimately with every single interaction that I had because there were no masks and there were no um, like barriers between us. Wow. So it's almost like you were like stripping even more naked and raw and just being more you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so awesome. So do you want to share a little bit about the work you you do today and who, what kind of people you work with? I'd love to. 
So aside from the the magic we're creating with our events and and the amazing retreats that we're bringing to people, I love working one-on-one and and my one-on-one mentorship really looks like the people that are called to break into their highest sense of self. Like they've done the trauma work, they've done the shadow work, they've they've really healed their inner child, but they're ready to like really open their own channel to live from truly embodied Christ consciousness. Um, I work with those people one-on-one and I also have a ton of resources for like the groundwork that I talked about. Um, My inner child Oracle cards are a beautiful resource for people starting like the deeper reparenting work. I have the inner child school of unlearning. That's a really powerful place for people to go and, and step into, you know, really unmasking all of the wounds. And then I'd have a bunch of like shadow work and and inner child freebies all over my website so aside from like that deep inner groundwork that you can do on your own with these resources I created my favorite way to work with people is that one-on-one mentorship of like because I get to see them go from having an idea of embodiment to being like fully here grounded in their essence which is like it's the most beautiful thing I've ever witnessed. And, and I love and adore that work. Well, that's so cool. I do highly recommend the one-on-ones with you because I was a client of yours at one point in time. It's so, so weird. <laughs> now we have, we are now friends. So it's such an amazing journey to see just for both of us. Um, well, thank you, Nikaila, for sharing your story. Were there any other words that you wanted to share with our audience today? Thank you for holding space for this. This was, it was a really beautiful way for me to also reflect on um, the evolution and how far I've come. And, And to anyone listening, if you resonated with anything that I said, I think the biggest thing is like finding alignment with your breath. And, and really allowing yourself to regulate your nervous system as you move through this, because nothing we talked about today and nothing we talk about on our podcast in general is, is easy necessarily. It can feel good at times and it can feel bad at times, but it's always this conscious choice, something that you are choosing because you know you deserve it. And so I, I just want to end this by saying that you deserve to choose yourself. You deserve to feel safe in your body and you deserve to live from that frequency of love. Well, thank you everyone for joining our podcast and we look forward to the next time. Bye guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, we'd love for you to share it with your friends, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. You can find us on all the socials at Awaken and Filtered, or check out the links below this episode. Until then, be real, be you, live true.